Is your savings just sitting there? Well, put it to work. A premium online savings account from PenFed earns way more than the national average, so you can get your savings working on earning you a vacation, or a new kitchen, or that fancy exercise mirror. Apply at PenFed.org savings. Premium online savings account holders must agree to electronic delivery of account opening disclosures and monthly statements. $5 minimum required to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. to the Mist of Hope podcast. It's Nikki and today is episode two of Bubble Thoughts. And so I'm first and foremost gonna uh, let you know that I have a bit of a sore throat so my voice is probably gonna crack in some places and not gonna sound um, like it normally does. So uh Yes, just so you know that. And today's bubble thought actually has been branching out and bubbling out um, since I woke up. I woke up and I was just like, had one thought and then it bubbled out from there. Um, So the title of this episode is The Riskiest Risk of All. Um... I, I am going to be including the notes that I'm using in order to, that I'm going to be going through in this episode. Um, I'm going to be putting it in the description to this episode. So for those who like to have something uh, that they can follow whilst they're listening, they can have that. Um, or if you want something to remember the episode by or go through um, the main points of the episode, uh, feel free to take a look at the notes um, in the description. And there, I guess, if you do go and look at the notes, um, <laughs> you'll see what the riskiest risk of all is. So, spoiler alert, spoiler alert there. Um, so, if you like spoilers, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Alright, so I'm going to take walk you through, try to walk you through the bubble thoughts that I've been having that bubbled out from the first bubble. So the last bubble is the title of this episode, The Riskiest Risk of All, and that kind of summarizes what the whole picture is. Um, But I'm just going to go through one thought at a time um, and try to walk you through and walk myself again through the thought processes and the... um, the points that I was reflecting on and realizing and, and being kind of like, um, yeah, being more awake to uh, this morning and this afternoon. So, I, <laughs> this morning and this afternoon at the time of recording of, uh, this podcast episode, that is. Um, so, it started by me getting out of bed and I was just like remembering um, a Bible study that I had the the evening before and it was a Bible study in Psalm 40 Um, 
and one line, one part of a, or one verse from that passage that we went through, Psalm 40, verse 6, was what stuck in my head. And the moment I woke up, literally, I was like, got out of bed, took the covers off of myself, and then I just had that thought, and I was wide awake, and I had to flush it out, and like, take notes, and kind of like, you know, think it out until I was like, okay, it's all out there now. Um, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that, but yeah, it doesn't have happened that often to me. It has happened before, but when it happens, it's it's very exciting because it's kind of like you're taking puzzle pieces and and you have you start with one puzzle piece and then you just like have the urge to to find the other puzzle pieces and then when you find them to piece them together and try to make a picture out of it or connect the dots um so that's how it felt like a detective feeling you know solving a case um so psalm 40 verse 6 uh is the first thought and it says sacrifice and offering you did not desire my ears you have opened burnt offering in sin you did not require so this is david and he is talking praying and singing to god sacrifice and offering you did not desire my ears you have opened burnt offering in sin you did not require um and then that kind of like stuck with me because I didn't fully understand it, I guess, and I wanted to understand it and dig deeper into what that really means. Because then I got reminded when I woke up, that thought came to me of verse 6 in chapter 40 of Psalms, that that came to me, but then a second verse came right after it, and that made me want to dig deeper. Um, so the second verse is actually a verse in Matthew 9. Um, Matthew chapter 9, after Jesus uh, just called Matthew uh, to follow him. And then Jesus and his disciples, they were eating with, uh, sitting and eating with tax collect collectors and sinners. And then the Pharisees, um, the Pharisees came and asked his disciples why, you know, why were they sitting with these people? And Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So, I desire mercy and not sacrifice is the same uh, as in Psalm 40, verse 6, right? But then Jesus says, go and learn what this means. And and that really, you know, prompted me. And I was like, what does it mean? Why is he telling us to go and learn what it means? Um, and so I went into um, a website called BibleHub.com and, and searched for this verse in Matthew nine, thirteen, about when Jesus says, you know, go, go and learn what this means. Then when I search for that, um, Hosea uh, chapter 6, verse 6 popped up. And, and I was like, oh, 
I, I, I didn't know this was in Hosea and um, and I went and clicked that link and I read Hosea chapter 6 verse 6 and I realized it was a chapter that was headlined as um, the headline of that chapter said impenitence of Israel and Judah and I was like what is impenitence what does it mean to be in impenitent and Apparently, impenitent means to not be sorry about something. Um, so, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6 says, and this is God talking through Hosea, uh, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. And then, so I'm going to read it again, For I desire mercy and and not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So the the word for knowledge there was like knowledge, knowledge of God. You mean like know everything about God? What 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 <laughs> what is that word? But then I suddenly like a light bulb like lit up and for me and I was like oh I've been doing a word study on a Hebrew ancient Hebrew word that's in the Bible so many times um, used for different contexts but uh, it's the word yada y-a-d-a and it means to know so it can be like to know about something but it's used in mainly like to get to know someone or to know them well and deeply intimately can even it can even be used for like it was used for when adam and eve you know uh, made love then that word was adam knew eve so adam yada eve um and and so i was like <gasps> could it be that this word yada is the word that's being used in the original text that's translated as knowledge here. Um, so, like, to yada, God. Um, and I clicked on it, and I went to the interlinear and found the original text, and I saw it was the word yada, and I was like, yes, now that made, made, makes sense, because, like, I don't want to be a scholar of God. I don't want to be, like, you know, in eternity, in in theology or like <laughs> seminary for the rest of eternity. Um, not that that's bad, but yeah, I just had a feeling that that wasn't the case here. Uh, so there was another word that I had a light bulb moment for in that verse. So I'm going to read the verse again just to remind you what it is in case you don't have the notes open. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. The word God there. Uh, many, many years ago when I first started studying the Bible on my own as a teenager, seeking God on my own and not based off of my parents' or grandparents' beliefs, um, I, I, ha I was watching like a YouTube um, run through a deep 
I don't remember what his name was. I'll, I'll put it in the description as well, but um, David something. Uh, I'm going to talk about another David later on, not David from the Psalms and, and not this David. But anyway, he had, uh, he went through each chapter of the Bible really deeply and like the context and, and the historical, cultural um, uh, perspective of things. And what he mentioned um, when it comes to like when he was just starting to introduce the the whole Bible study um, series, he went through the basics of like Hebrew and, and the original language and, and God and just the Christian belief. Um, and when he talked about how in the original text, God, the word for God, um, in Hosea 6, chapter 6, uh, verse 6, the word for God, I mean, he didn't take that example, but I realized that that could be the case here. Um, the word for God is when Jesus, um, no, sorry, in Genesis, when God is like saying that he's going to make man in his image, and in the image of God, he will make them, um, we will make them. And so, you can see the three persons of God in that, you know, He is one, but three in one. And, and in the original text, it's written, um, the word God is written in a plural form, so Elohim. So it means God, but it's like many, but one. So... Elohim. I don't know really how to pronounce it. Um, instead of just the singular uh, form of the word, which is Eloha. And, um, and so that is the light bulb moment for this verse. I was like, wait, that also makes sense if the word God there is in plural form because, like, if Jesus and God are talking about us getting to know God, they're not just talking about us getting to know God in one of his persons, or two, but in all of them. Um, and so that was the case when I clicked for the word God in, on the website there, BibleHub.com. Um, and uh, it is God in its plural form. So I'm going to read the verse again with uh, the findings that I just mentioned for the word yada, to know intimately and deeply, as well as God, the original word there being God in plural form. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. To know God in all his persons, deeply and intimately, more than burnt offerings. And when I was pondering that, I remembered Hannah. Um, in First Samuel, Hannah is uh, a woman who's having trouble with, um, she, uh, yeah, getting pregnant and and give. Um, she's just having issues that she's not able to have children and she's been 
praying um, to God about it and she has the husband who has another wife and he um, and she is having like she has no problems with having children and and the husband loves Hannah and is trying to encourage her but Hannah just has this like deep desire to have children and so one day she goes to um, the temple and she she uh, she pours out her heart to God and she's like crying and, and you know praying and then the priest Eli comes up to her and he um, he thinks she's drunk when she was actually offering all of herself to Yahweh um, so I'm going to read First uh, Samuel this is chapter mm, yeah I will put the chapter in the description below but yeah th these are verses 12 to 16 and And this was in chapter 1. I just looked it up right now. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so, 1 Samuel chapter chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Uh, it says, And it happened, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink. But you have poured out my soul. But, but I have drunk neither wine or intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman. For out of abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. So, there she's telling him, just like, I'm pouring out my soul before the Lord, she says. And she's uh, speaking out of her complaint and her grief. And, and really coming to God, kind of at her very last... Um, yeah, she's at... The last that she has within her is how she describes it. Um, and so that made me think, wait a second. Um, she says that she, I mean, you can see her, how grief-stricken she is and how she really, really wants to have children. The fact that she, you know, dares to go there and she is approaching the Lord the way that she is and she is not really concerned about how the priest and everyone else sees her approaching the Lord and she's just being so sincere about it um, but she also feels uh, that she must do it because she doesn't have she wants it that much um, and it's some it's a desire that's really really rooted deeply deeply within um, so that got me to think um, how, you know, Hannah, as much as she loved what she loved in terms of she really wanted to have children, children, but, but she vowed to the Lord to give Samuel to the Lord um, and she surrendered that to him. 
but anyway, I'll touch on that later. My point with this was that um, when I thought of Hannah uh, out of Hosea uh, chapter 6, verse 6, I, I thought about her in terms of how she came to the Lord not with burnt offerings, but she came offering all of herself. Um, but it was interesting to me that Eli thought that she was drunk. And and that reminded me of when Samuel was was um, instructed by Yahweh, by God, to anoint uh, a king for Israel, and from which Jesus would eventually descend. Um, Samuel met the father of David, but he didn't know which of the seven sons was supposed to be the king that God chose. And so he went through like each son one by one, trying to see if this is the one that God chose. Um, and when he came, uh, I'm going to read First Samuel chapter 16, uh, verse 6 through 7. So it was when they came that he, talking about Samuel here, looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed, uh, the, the Lord's anointed is before him. Verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, why I thought about this after the Hannah um passage earlier is because I mean Eli thought that Hannah was drunk but she wasn't drunk she was being very sincere in her surrendering to God and coming and approaching God and in the same way Samuel the son of Hannah that God had then given to her after you know Hannah approached God like that um, the son of Hannah Samuel grew up and was chosen by God to be a prophet and the one to anoint the, the king the next king of Israel, um, the the line from which Jesus would come from. And then Samuel, son of Hannah, um, did the same thing, like being human. You know, he was a good prophet and good man, but being human, just like all of us, he saw a very eligible, very, um, very just good-looking young man that, that seemed promising and, and could be a good king and was like, yeah, this is probably the one. And God's like reminding him and all of us um, that we shouldn't look at the appearance or the physical stature. We only see the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And we have a tendency to look at the outward or like the outer layers. Um, but God sees our core and the core of everyone else. Um, and so that got me to thinking, wait, okay, okay. So let's get back to um, to what Jesus said in Matthew nine thirteen. you know, about how he didn't come to call the righteous, but he came to call the sinners. Um, so that probably has something to do with our hearts then in terms of... Um, how we're not we we really need him you know how we're not enough in and of ourselves and we were made for him 
and the fact that we turned away from him um, really we need him even more to bring us back to himself um, and so I read uh, I tried to go back to Psalm 40 and connect it back to it um, the first bubble thought that we started with uh, and I tried to do that by reading a commentary on Psalm 40 by David Guzik. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He has a website called EnduringWord.com. Again, everything is going to be in the description, so uh, I hope you can check that out if you're curious to see more um, of what I'm talking about here. And in David Guzik's commentary on Psalm 40, he, he, he said um, that David, you know, the one who wrote the psalm, understood that God wanted surrendered, willing servants who listen to him and obey him. So there we can see like the difference between David and his brothers probably um, that we couldn't see but God saw and, and the how Hannah was that, you know, Eli couldn't see, but God saw. And what Jesus was talking about when he was eating with the tax collectors and sinners, he saw their hearts, and he also saw the Pharisees' hearts. But, um, yeah, they didn't have uh, the hearts to that were ready to receive him and to listen to him and to obey him and to know him know him deeply and intimately um, and so pretty much we've gone full circle back to Psalm 40 um, and after I had reached that full circle I had uh, three more thoughts um, that I feel were like being revealed after that and yeah, I'm going to share with you those three thoughts. The first thought is um, Jody Sweden. Um, she is uh, an actress from the show Full House. Um, I had watched an interview with her and her co-star from Full House, Bob Saget, um, which I'm also going to link in the description. And in that interview, she said uh, two sentences that, that came to mind for me in relation to the whole thing that we had been talking about in this episode. Um, people don't want change until they're terribly comfortable. It's the first uh, quote quotation that I remembered from her. People don't want change until they're terribly uncomfortable. And that makes sense uh, connected to what we just talked about with how um, God wants surrendered, willing servants who listen to him and obey him. But that also makes sense in Jesus sitting with the sinners and tax collectors and the fact that Pharise the Pharisees were asking why Jesus was sitting with them, but then the Pharisees weren't even, even going to Jesus and sitting and eating with him. So they weren't uncomfortable about where they were, about their circumstances, about their own hearts, but the sinners and the tax collectors were uncomfortable, and so they saw their need to, uh, for a change. They saw their need for the change that Jesus had to offer them. 
Um, and the second thing that Jody said um, was, there needs to be something for me to lose in order to be passionate about it. There needs to be something for me to lose in order to be passionate about it. So this is, uh, I'm going to jump to the next, because I said there were three things that I thought about after I came full circle back to Psalm 40. The Jody Sweden thing, this is the last one, and then from this uh, quotation of there needs to be something for me to lose in order to be passionate about it, I'm going to jump into the second point and then finish off with the last point of this episode. Um, thanks for following if you're still following right now. I know it's been long, but <laughs> I hope this is uh, still a value to um, people because it is a value to me and I'm just hoping to share um, this value. And so the second point is based on what Jody said, there needs to be something for me to lose in order to be passionate about it. I don't actually think it's selfish. I mean, it sounds selfish, um, that sentence. But I think if it is in the right context and if it is from a good heart, I think in terms of what we've talked about and what Jesus um, was talking about with the, what he was saying to the Pharisees, um, which is there is a Pharisee in all of us. You know, It's not just the Pharisees out there that we can point fingers to. We point fingers at ourselves. Um, we, it's not selfish, but it's wise to seek out um, that something, you know, that, that there needs to be something for me to lose in order to be passionate about it. If we're uncomfortable about something and, and, and we are feeling like we're in a situation and we have something to lose and we don't want to lose it, we want to keep it, we want to defend it, we want to advocate for it, we want to fight for it, and um, we want to be passionate, uh, we become passionate about it, in the sense that, like, if there is something for us to lose, if we are losing something else, if we are leaving and surrendering, we're, if we're ready to do that, ready to leave and surrender all else in comparison, then, um, then we've found something that is pretty much a treasure, right? Um, it reminds me of a Bible passage that's being talked about, like a pearl beyond price. There was a man who found a pearl, and he bought the land where that pearl was, and he, you know, sold everything that he owned in order to buy that land. Um, and uh, and also how in the Bible there's also a lot of passages that are talking about how for us we shouldn't focus on earthly treasures, but focus on eternal treasures because earthly treasures they rot and they you know are a mist at the end of the day but eternal treasures they last um forever and yeah i also get reminded about how jesus you know when he got people coming to him saying i want to follow you he told them you know you need you need to love me more than you love your parents then or you need to um let it be that your dad hasn't been buried yet, um, which sounds very 
very um, harsh, but in essence, it's that. It's if we don't have anything to lose, then we're not really passionate about it. And we haven't, if we haven't lost anything, then if we haven't lost anything that we valued, then we don't know as much about our values as well. Because if we've lost something of the things that we valued um, in our life, we we feel it, we hurt because of it, and and then we are scared to go for it again. But then, if we go for it again, then there is something for us to lose. But if we're going for it again with something for us to lose, then we're very passionate about it aren't we? Um, so the last point then, uh, as I segue into it with this is, yeah, if there's something for us to lose in it, then we must be passionate about it to go into it. Um, if our why is, is close enough to our hearts and moves us enough, uh, the third and last point, which is, uh, uh, a quotation from a YouTuber um, called Eric Tor. He is uh, an MBTI YouTuber, um, and he said in a video that I will also link in the description. He said, "For love, you need courage. For love, you need courage." So this sentence wrap this whole thing up for me psalm 40 verse 6 matthew 9 verse 13 hosea 6 verse 6 first um, samuel 1 verses 12 through 16 and first samuel 1 verse uh, chapter 16 verses 6 and 7 um, this for love you need courage wrap all of this up for me because it's pretty much saying for love you need courage he said but what I um, concluded from that having you know had all of these bubble thoughts this was my last conclusion and it summed it all up for me um, and it is yes you need courage for love because for love is also the riskiest love uh, sorry for love is also the riskiest risk of all. Um, for relational pain is the most painful pain of all. So Eric Tor said, for love you need courage. Um, and I thought, for love is the riskiest risk of all. For relational, relational pain is the most painful pain of all. So, love is the scariest thing for all of us to take a leap in. And, um, and we are afraid because we've been hurt before and we've hurt others. But once we find the value and the worth of it, and the pearl, the treasure that we can 
then cherish for the rest of eternity and we can withstand anything because of it um, once we find that we found something that is uh, going to be a seed and the core of everything else that is good that sprouts out of it joy, hope, peace wisdom fun it's not to say that there won't be any grief there won't be any sadness or any um, any pain there will be more of um, the hard things but it will be worth it once we've found the worth so I encourage you um, I thank you for listening all this way through and I encourage you to seek it out seek out the worth seek out the value seek out the true treasure seek out what really matters, what really lasts, what's really true. And try to see beyond the outer layers. Try to see beyond the expectations, the stereotypes, the opinions. Try to see beyond the biases. It's hard, we're all biased. We're human, after all. Um, But yeah, um, keep seeking this and... uh, Thank you again for listening. Um, I leave you with these thoughts. Fifteen minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah, wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years, because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? (laughs) Yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.